from the book of Romans and the book of Corinthians, I will take my text tonight, first going to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I want to begin reading with verse number 1. It says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. That means we do not give up or we do not falter. We've been given mercy. If you've received mercy, you should never give up. Did you hear me? I said, if you've ever received any mercy, you should never give up. Because where that mercy is, more mercy can be found. That's not my message, but that is a message. But they have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, nor handling the word deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Man, what a powerful scripture. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, Lest, if they should believe, the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, which is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And that, my friend, is a mouthful. Amen. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16. Paul makes this very powerful statement. For the... For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Everybody say that with me. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is. Everybody say it is. It is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. And everybody said, Amen. Can I talk to you tonight for just a few moments from the subject, Better than light and safer than a known way. Amen. Better than light and safer than a known way. Amen. You may be seated. It was at the beginning of World War II when Europe had been turned upside down by a terrorist by the name of Adolf Hitler. 
that the country of England was so shaken and so troubled. It looked for a while as if they were going to be completely destroyed and overran. It was at Christmas time, and the king of England knew that of all things his people needed, they needed a word of hope, and they needed encouragement for their troubled times. And so seeking to speak a word of comfort and direction to his people, in an hour of great trouble and distress, when it was moving deeper and deeper into the convulsions of one of the greatest wars the world has ever known, he stepped to a microphone one day and he spoke the words of Lewis or Lois Haskins. And this is what she wrote. She said, And I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, Give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, Go out into the darkness and put thine hand into the hand of God, for that shall be to thee better than light and safer than a known way. Amen. Put your hand in the hand of God and go out. When I read that, something just came over me. I thought, Lord, if that was true then, how much more is that true tonight? I believe that that is the answer to many of the troubles that we are facing and dealing with right now in life, is that people have forgotten where to put their trust I get so sick of it, and I know you probably get tired of me mentioning it, but it's on the news every day, so you can't help but say something about it. But our political system is in such a mess right now, it's almost embarrassing sometimes to say you're an American. And I didn't think I would ever say that. But not only with the political system, but with the decisions that are being made on a nationwide basis every day that undermine every principle upon which our nation was founded. And it has opened the door that can never be closed. And it has opened a door that brings us even closer, if not in parallel, with Sodom and Gomorrah. And I would have to say this, if God doesn't do something soon, He's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah because our nation and our world is not very far removed from that wicked place. But the answer is still in a faith and a trust in God. And in a time when troubles are mounting on every hand, our world has forgotten where to really put their trust. We put it in the stock market and it crashed. Some put it in their jobs that they had given their life to. And when they were getting ready to retire, they were handed a pink slip because the company was downsizing. Or far worse than that, you could have been an employee of Enron. That was one of the great mighty companies of our nation and our world. And in a moment of time, it crumbled and fell. And I know a man personally who was so near retirement 
that he was just within days of being able to turn in his retirement notice and enjoy his life for the years that remained very well because he had been compensated well. And in a moment of time, everything that he had hoped for vanished before his eyes. And it happens. I'm not saying that that man put his trust in the wrong thing, but I am convinced that more and more we are being pressured to trust things that are untrustworthy. We are being pressed to put our hand in the hands of one that we are not sure of. You know, we were told that if we would vote for him, he would bring change, and he did. Wasn't the change some people were thinking of, but he brought change. Now we've got another man that's talking about revamping Washington, and believe me, it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman in the White House. They're not going to change what happens within the nation unless it changes first within the heart of people. And it will change there in the house of God. Somehow we have come to the place to believe that something will bail us out and we can trust in CDs and DVDs and everything else. And the truth is, all of that is just as unstable as seeking sand. None of that, according to what my Bible says, is even going to stand in the end. Wall Street, the bull is going to be melted in a fervent heat. According to Scripture, according to Revelation, this world and everything in it is going to be consumed. So that means everything that we're killing ourselves over tonight to get a little bit more of is going to evaporate. Do you know what? When you go to the other world, you don't get to send luggage You don't get to send anything there. You you don't get to go with your package and everything ready. We go, the Bible said, naked we came into this world and naked we will leave this world. And so the things that really matter, and I don't think God is against me having things, but the real thing that matters is where I put my trust. And my trust cannot be in things that will not last. And so I need to remind you tonight as a people that you need to remember where to put your trust and where to keep your hand. And I believe that the words of this great writer of old are just as relevant to us tonight. When we tread into the unknown, there is a way that is better than light and safer than a known way, and that is putting your hand in the hand of God and trusting Him to see you through whatever might be before you. Amen. It is the answer to every soul who asks for light, who asks for help, who asks for understanding. Putting our hand in the hand of God and letting Him lead us, it never fails. It will not fail because He has never failed. Amen. In these confusing times, it's good to know that God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. One of my all-time favorite passages of Scripture is found in the book of James, 
chapter 1. I want you to turn there with me and I want you to mark it in your Bible. Because I, 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 you need to learn it, memorize it, and you need to pray it in your prayers. And you need to speak it by faith in everything that you do. But this is what James, the pastor, I believe, of Jerusalem, said to the church. He said, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness neither shadow of turning, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And it is of his own will that he begat us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Now, I love that, but I love how some of the other translations magnify and and enhance what the King James Version has to say. The Amplified Bible reads like this. He said, Every good gift and every perfect, free, large, full gift is from above, and it comes down from the Father of all that gives light, in the shining of whom there can be no variation. Somebody say that with me. Who can, there can be no variation, rising or setting. We pray, sometimes we pray, God, come. You don't have to say, God, come. God's already here. And when you leave, he's going to stay here because he's everywhere. When you go out that door, we pray for God to come into this place. And I prayed that, but the truth is, He's everywhere. And so wherever you go, he is there. And so there's no variableness. There's no change. There's no variation arising or a setting. He doesn't operate like the sun that shows up every morning and disappears in the evening. Just about the time you feel like you need a little bit more light, it disappears. God's not like that. There's no variation. There's no rising or setting. Whom there can be no variation or shadow cast by his turning as in an eclipse. I like what it says. I like the NIV version. It says, who does not change like shifting shadows. The message translation said, there is nothing deceitful in God. Nothing two-faced about him. Nothing fickle about God. Man, the Revised Standard Version says, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to turning or change. Another translation said, with whom there is no change or any shade made by turning. The Holman translation said, with him there is no variation or shadow cast by turning. And the living Bible said, and he shines forever without change or shadow. Amen. No matter the translation, the Bible message is still the same. He is the same. And if you're going to put your trust in anyone, you ought to put your trust in him, in whom there is no variation. I want to ask you a question. 
How many times has your stock gone up and down over the years that you've had stock, if you've got stock? How many of you have? Well, I don't want to ask that. I don't. How many times does the stock market surge and go back down? I remember just a few years ago, Phillips Petroleum tanked, and one of our good men lost a quarter of a million dollars in one day from a retirement fund. You don't recuperate that in a long lifetime. But it, it, it doesn't Styles have changed. I mean, from the time I was a kid till now, I've seen wide ties, skinny ties. I've seen vests, no vests. I guess the next thing they're going to do is come out with bell bottoms. I'm just telling you, I'm not going there. <laughs> Nothing stays the same. They won't even let the car stay the same because they know you won't buy an old-looking model. You need something new and up-to-date. You know what Dorito found out? Dorito found out that they did not have to change their product to get you to buy more of them. All they had to do is repackage it and put new and improved. And their stocks went through the roof and the sales of Doritos went over the top because they simply put a new bag on it, put a few colors changes on it, and put new and improved. And you know what? Other companies started finding out how powerful new and improved is. And so almost everything you buy nowadays has new and improved because we don't like anything that's old and outdated. We want the latest. Well, I've got something, folks, that's as old as time and even older than time. But it still works. I said it still works. And if I'm going to put my trust anywhere, I need to make sure that my trust is in what stands. In whom there is no variableness. Not even a casting of a shadow. My brother reminded me years ago of something I've never forgotten. He said, you know, the only time you don't ever have a shadow in your life it's when the sun is directly overhead. So that means it doesn't matter what time of day or night it is or where you are. If there's no shadow, that means he's right over you. He's right there with you. So it doesn't matter what you go through. It doesn't matter what you're having to deal with. Just know God's there. God's not somewhere on a distant planet. He's not somewhere busy in another part of the universe. He's big enough to take care of your problem, my problem, everybody's problem. He doesn't have a problem taking care of our problem. <laughs> Amen. Somebody say, in whom is no variableness, no shadow of turning, not even a hint. How many hints have we had in our lifetime? That's what got some of you. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. That's what got some people married was a hint. <laughs> but hints change. Amen. That's what got some people into a job or into a profession because there was an insinuation, but when they got there, it was different than what they had been told. But not with God. Not with God. There is no variableness. There's not a shadow of turning. The same yesterday and today and forever. So if I'm going to put my trust anywhere, He's the only one 
that I can trust my life to, and he's the only one that I can trust my future with. And so I need to do what the Word says. I need to stay in step with him. I need to put my hand in his and leave it there. Amen. I'm not going to put my trust in chariots or in horses because chariots, the wheels will come off. Ask Egypt. If you study history, I think you'll find out that Egypt at the time of Pharaoh was one of the most accomplished cultures in the world and their chariots were probably like Rolls Royces of the world. And yet when they went down into the sea trying to get God's people, the Lord made those wheels that were unbreakable. Un, uh, they, they were just the best anywhere. He caused them to come off. Some trust in chariots, some in horses. Horses will die on you. Amen. You can wear a horse out. You can. I've been listening to some American history lately, and I've been listening especially the last few weeks about Lewis and Clark's expedition and how many horses were killed in their journeys trying to get through uh, the the, the unknown parts of the, the American wilderness. And I thought, you know what? There were people that started out on their journey that thought that horse was going to take me all the way and halfway there it gave out and died. You can't trust in that. What you have to do is put your trust in God and put your trust in the one that will never fail. He has never failed. He will not fail. It's not in him to fail. The Bible said, Isaiah said, he will not fail, nor will he come short in his attempt to do what he's doing. Amen. The trust that I need to put is in him. And I love what Paul said in Romans. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, and I join with him tonight. For it is the power of God unto salvation. I got to looking at that today, and I thought, Lord, I know every time I've ever read that verse, I have always thought of that in the context of the salvation of my soul, my spiritual life. And truly, the gospel message is the means by which I was brought to salvation. Somebody preached me the word of God. Somebody preached the truth of this. Somebody told me I needed to repent. They found it in the book. Somebody told me I needed to be baptized in Jesus' name. And so I was baptized in Jesus' name. Somebody told me that I would receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking with tongue. And so I received that experience. And so when I look at the Word, I realize that it is the source of my spiritual salvation. It is through the Word of God that I understand that He framed the world and everything that's in the world and all that is found its breath and found its birth in God. And everything can trace its roots back to Him. It can go all the way back to the beginning. It was His Word that told me the plan that He had for my life and for my salvation. And it was the Word of God that told me that Jesus was the way, the only way. There is no other one. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. It was in, in Acts 4 and 12 that he said there is neither salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. His Word is what spoke to my heart and convicted me of my sin. And his word tells me that I need to do 
what I need what I need to do to be saved. And it will save me, and it has saved me. But I got to thinking, Lord, your word does not only save my soul, but how many times in my life has your word saved my life? Amen. Just my everyday living. When I was about to go under, I came to church and somebody preached the word, and that word had life to it. That word got down in my soul and it picked me up. I've come to church some nights as a preacher so down in the dumps that I didn't even know whether I could face people and then just get up and start preaching the word and preach myself out of a a despondent disposition because the word has the power to do that. How many times have I just needed an answer? I just needed God to say something to me and, and nothing came until I came into the house of God and somebody opened the word and God's, there's the answer right there. I, I, I left with a clarity. I left with direction. How many times has this word saved my life? When I was about to give up, when I felt like I'd gone as far as I could go, what's the use anyway? I found in this book something. I found one today. I was so amazed. I told my brother James about it. I'm going to preach about it here before too long. But I was reading about John the Baptist. You read the book of John. You you read his story. It's one of the most amazing stories. He came out of the wilderness. I'm telling you, he came out eating locusts and wild honey and preaching repentance. Repent or die. And he preached with such fervor. The Bible said the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the powers that be, everybody came out to hear John the Baptist preach. Everybody. You talk about an audience. He had more than T.D. Jakes ever thought about having. That's the biggest church I can think of right now. But anyway, he preached the word to men. He didn't cut any corners. He told Herod, you can't have your brother's wife or you can't. You, you can't live in that wicked relationship. He didn't flinch. He didn't blink an eye. He called sin, sin. And they flocked to him to be baptized under repentance. That's all John baptized him. Baptize you under repentance. Because that was all he was sent to do. He was the forerunner. He was somebody that was pointing the way. And it wasn't long in his ministry until he started saying, I must decrease, but he must increase. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And when he said that, some of his disciples left him and went to follow Jesus. John never said a word. He never complained. He never griped. You don't read any prayer in the Bible that says he fussed with God about God not being fair. I mean, look at what I've done. I've sacrificed my life. I lived my whole life as a wild man out in the desert, and I came when you told me to come, and I preached what you told me to preach, and look at what you're doing for me. My disciples are leaving me. But he said he must increase, I must decrease, and he did that. And the last picture we have of John, he's in the prison waiting sentence because Herod had enough. Herodias was the one that was after him, a wicked woman. And you know what? You would think that God would put a stop to a wicked woman having her way, but God chose not to. I don't read anywhere where John got mad at God about that. 
I don't read anywhere where John argued with God about why he let this wicked woman triumph over him. Why couldn't he die some other way? Why should a wicked woman be able to behead him? And when John sent his disciples to Jesus, just needing a little comfort, needing a little encouragement, all Jesus could say was, go tell John what you see, what you witness. Blind eyes open, deaf ears unstopped. And tell him to not be offended at how I run my business in his life. And not one time did John rebuke. He he sent his disciples. So if there had been anything more, I am certain it would have been recorded. But we never read of one time that John complained about what God was doing in his life. And every time I've gotten to the place where I was just fed up, God, this is not fair. You're not answering any of my prayers. Why I pray? You're not doing anything I'm asking you to do. What's the use of serving you? God takes me to the story of a man by the name of John and said, if John could do it, you can do it. If John could survive, you can survive. That word, that saved me. It's picked me up when I didn't even deserve being picked up. When I had failed God and God should have turned his back and left me in my mistake, God's word rescued me. How many times has that word reached out and embraced me and just hugged me and held me? When I, 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 should, have been, I should have been whipped. And I've had a few times when God's done that. But I have to tell you more times than not, God has just reached out and got his big arms around me and just embraced me and pulled me in to his deep love and helped love my hurt away. Saved me, kept me from giving up, kept me from turning around. Folks, that's better than light and safer than a known way. That right there is better than light. I'd rather have this. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus. What is it? Am I, I got ahead of myself. Brother Clyde, come and save me. Would you do that? Amen. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Than to be the king of a vast domain. To be held by sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather put my hand in his hand than the best lawyer in the country, the best judge in the country, the best government, the best retirement fund. Say, are you against that? No, I'm not. But I know that that's not going to save me in the end. This is what's going to save me in the end. This is what's going to keep me. It's better than light safer than a known way. I have this word. It's a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. It never fails. It will not return void. (laughs) You ever read that in the Bible? 
this word will never return void. How many times have we said something that didn't come true? How many times have we said something that didn't come to pass? But not one time has this word ever spoken and it not come true. And it not come to pass. And so if you're waiting on God to do something, you just keep holding on because whatever God promised, He's going to do it because He cannot fail and His word will not return void. It may take a little while, but what's time with God anyway? We're the problem. We're the ones that have problems. We, we're so regulated by time that if God doesn't answer at this moment and this day, we sell up and get mad and some people backslide. Folks, listen to me. I watched a house full of backsliders today. And I saw where they came when they needed the most. They came to hear a preacher read something out of the Word that would help bring comfort to a broken, wounded heart. It's better than light. And it's safer than a known wound. Stand with me right now.